You're listening to Wake Up Call. I'm your host, Christina Previtt. If we haven't met before, I was a divorce lawyer in New Jersey for 15 years. I'm currently the CEO and co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a divorce law firm located in Edison, New Jersey. My guest today is David Rubel. David is an attorney in Beacon, New York, who practices estate planning and social security disability law. But David is not here today to talk about law. He is here to talk about his personal experience with OCD. Welcome, David. Hello, Tina. Tina. You, so you're, we can tell already that I know you from back in the day because pre-law, I was Tina. That was my name growing up. And everybody okay. after that knows me as Christina. So, but that's cool. I actually like Tina better. So I just want to tell our listeners that my background with you is that we went to law school together. And during that time, I got to know you very well. And we've stayed in touch over the years. We graduated in 2003, which was longer than I'd like care to admit. And during that time, I'll just tell people a little background. At that mm-hmm. time, you were um, a co-student, a, a co-ed, or I guess I was the co-ed, going to school. And the thing that was sort of, um, that stood out about you at that time was that you always wore black and you wore latex gloves. So Actually, vinyl gloves. But, vinyl uh, gloves, excuse me. Vinyl gloves. Vinyl so gloves, you yeah. were sort of known around school as that guy who wears the gloves. And I would say it was definitely different. And I think a lot of people really didn't and still to this day don't really understand what that was about. I think people just, just kind of assume that you had like a germ phobia. And... You know, I knew more about it because you and I became friends. So that's what you're going to talk about today is that experience with OCD, because I think it's something a lot of people really don't understand. And I would like to perhaps treat this like a public service announcement so that Mm -hmm. other people can understand better what it is. And it's something you've been dealing with your whole life or when, when did it really start to be a presence in your life? Um. I think first that everyone has a little bit of OCD in them, and it's just when it gets really bad and starts to interfere with your life that it becomes a problem. But most people have their little rituals of what they do when they wake up or what they do when they go to bed at night or... um, there's lots of secret uh, hand washers and checkers and things like that. And so I think, I think it's actually more common than people realize it is. It's, it's one of the most common disabilities in the United States. But it's something, and, that, it's something that causes anxiety. It's not just like a routine or, or a habit. It's something that if you don't do it, you will worry about it or have anxiety about it. Is that right? Well, the OCD stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, and there's two parts to it. One is the obsessive part, and one is the compulsive part. And the obsessive part is what it sounds like, obsessive thoughts, um, which urge you to do things, which are the compulsive parts, 
like hand washing or checking to see that the stove is turned off or, and even if I was uh, thinking about it, there's other types of OCD rituals that people do like uh, counting before they do something or doing things on certain days or driving down certain roads because it feels more comfortable. It's about anxiety and it's about control. And Tina mentioned the gloves, so the reason I started wearing gloves was that I was a washer and used to wash my hands until they bled. And I did that for a long time, basically because the OCD was a secret. And so I didn't feel comfortable wearing gloves or telling people I didn't want to shake hands or any of that. So I um, used to wash, wash my hands. And like I said, I did that till they bled. And well, then there was a point. When, but that was, was that sort of the first your first experience with OCD? I always had obsessive thoughts, even as a child. But in terms of behavior, that's how it sort of blossomed. So that was sort of the first first thing, I guess. Maybe the C as in the OCD was that the first? Uh, when I was in graduate school, not in law school, but graduate school. Um, I started washing, and okay. it's a way of way of dealing, I think, with the stress of school and the stress of my living arrangements at the time. And do you remember when that started? Was it like, was it like overnight you're washing your hands fifty times a day, or does it kind of start small? Like you just kind of feel this compulsion, like my hands aren't clean or my hands are contaminated. I need to wash them. And then it just kind of grows over time. I, I have to say it was really a pretty, um, quick onset. Um, like I said, I always had some obsessive thoughts as a child and little, little things that I did certain ways that made me feel more comfortable you know, I, there were things I liked to do on Saturdays, but not on Sundays or, you know, so the OCD was there, but it was, ma it was not just manageable, it was not an impediment. And then as I had more stress in my life, the, um, the washing started and um, that continued for a long time. It's hard for me to understand how how many times do you have to wash your hands that they actually start bleeding? Is it because they're getting chapped? Because you're, I was scrubbing them. Okay. And so washing was not like a 15-second thing. It might have been like 10, 15 minutes every time I washed my hands. And would you have to do it after certain things, like after being out in public, or was there just sort of no rhyme or reason you would just feel no, the urge? No, it would be triggered by shaking hands with someone or touching a doorknob or handling money, things that people think of as being like a germ phobia thing, but it's, it's really not. It's more about feeling contaminated and anxious. But not by germs, not being contaminated by germs. Not by germs, but by things 
make made me feel contaminated. That could be a person that um, made me feel like I wanted to wash my hands or a stressful situation or um, the, the problem is that there's no um, ration, rationality to it. I mean, realistically, I understood that after about 15 seconds of washing my hands, my hands were clean. But they didn't feel uncontaminated. That was something that required much soap and water and scrubbing and took a long, long time and interrupted the flow of the day. Well, let me ask you this. Could you, did you have a dialogue in your head about it? Like, I could see myself saying, you know what, Tina? Washing your hands isn't making your hands uncontaminated. Could you have a dialogue with that? No. The anxiety was too strong. And um, I wasn't taking any medication at the time. I wasn't in therapy at the time it started. So I was just kind of, I didn't at first, I started doing some research in the library about hand washing and I didn't really even know I had OCD or that it was called OCD. I just knew that I suddenly was washing my hands and taking showers um, in a way that I hadn't before. So mm-hmm. um, I did some research in the library. I realized I had OCD, and that was the beginning of a long process of trying to get better. How old were you when that happened? 24. And you had a girlfriend at the time? I had a girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. I did, and I drove her crazy. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you, did she start to notice this? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She noticed. And the thing is, with OCD, when it's really bad, it impinges on other people. Yeah. So I would also have her wash her hands. Oh. Yeah. And she obliged. If she was going to, um, I don't know, handle money or or just shaking hands with someone, I would want her to wash her hands if she was going to touch me. Now, interestingly, I didn't mind being touched by her. Um, So a lot of it is not quite rational and depends on my comfort level with different people. Yeah, so I think that's the thing that I learned from you is that, and what what I would like other people to really understand is that you can't try to attack this with logic and reason. No. You can't try to just talk someone out of OCD by convincing them that your hands are not contaminated. You can't do that. It 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 just goes so far beyond that, that trying to apply logic and reason doesn't work. Absolutely not a rational thing, except it has its own internal logic. So for the person that has OCD, I think it sort of makes sense to them. Well, this person is contaminated. I touched them. Now I have to do something about it. I have to decontaminate. And so you're a bit older than 24 now. 
I'm 60. Oh, okay. I wasn't going to ask, but there we go. No. So you, no. have you been, you've been dealing with this continuously since 24? Since 24, yes. I um, have done lots of therapy, taken lots of medications, even done something called intensive behavioral therapy which I'm happy to talk about if you want to talk about it. I would like to get to what, what treatments you've tried, um, but I want to go back a little bit and understand how okay. this has evolved for you. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you make the decision that wearing gloves was a way for you to um, cope with this? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't really remember how... I knew that I couldn't, I think it happened, I'm, I'm dillying here, I, I think it was right before law school when I was 39, and I didn't think that I could handle um, the requirements of law school and the stress of law school and also the lost time that was going to be taken up with OCD stuff. Um, So I think it was right before law school that I started wearing gloves, vinyl, not not latex. Latex is sweaty. And um, that that kind of stopped the washing part, uh, the hand-washing part. So how did the OCD manifest then? I mean, obviously, you're wearing the gloves. Did that seem to alleviate the contamination aspect of things? or Well, it was a workaround. It was, you know, yeah, I'm kind of a little embarrassed about this, but I don't care. It's better than my hands bleeding. Yeah. Do and you... it's better than spending, you know, three hours in the shower. I mean, it seems like to, to the rest of us who don't have OCD and, and it's hard to understand really the experience of having OCD, mm-hmm. I would, my brain wants to say, okay, well, you figured that out. Now, now we can go back to normal life. I just have to wear gloves and everything's fine. But it doesn't really work that way, right? No. OCD kind of takes over your whole life. And it's not just about, I, I happen to be not a hoarder and not a checker, which is what they call the people that are checking to see if their door is locked or that the oven is turned off. And I don't know if um, people realize some, what some is people, OCD. Some people have all of that. Yeah, so um, so you're saying hoarder. I think people generally know that a checker is some form of OCD, but can you just share with us what are some of the typical ways that having OCD manifests? Like, what's a hoarder? Because I don't I well, don't know that that was an OCD thing. Hoarding is where people collect a lot of unnecessary things, and um, there's there's quite a few of them out there, and they eventually get to the point where their whole living space is taken up with unnecessary items, empty milk cartons, old newspapers. Um, but the theme that sort of connects the different kinds of OCD is feelings of control and feelings of anxiety. So even a hoarder, it's not 
just about I want to fill up my my place with stuff. It's I don't feel safe and calm and free of anxiety unless I do this. There's a compulsion involved. And and I should point out something that most people don't realize about OCD is that there is no pleasure in it for the per OCD person. They don't like um, washing their hands or checking or or counting or or hoarding. Mostly, um, it's it's a drag. Um, but the anxiety is so great, and that's what reduces the anxiety is the ritual, the behavior. So, for people so, listening that might be saying, "Well," Just don't do it. You know, when you get the urge to wash your hands, just don't do it. You know, did you ever try that? And what what happens if you just well, try to ignore it? Uh, when you're ready to talk about the behavioral treatment that I went through, yeah. I can talk. Yeah, talk let's about do that. That um, there's there's a school of thought out there that the treatment of choice for OCD is behavioral therapy. And behavioral therapy is basically not let's talk about your mother or let's tell me what's going on in your life. It's about exposures, what they call exposures and response prevention. So with a behavioral program, you have homework assignments and they'll tell you to do things like touch the doorknob and not wash your hands or to see how long you can go without washing your hands or to go to some place that you think is contaminated and not take a shower when you get home. And personally, I did something called intensive behavioral therapy at a place in Philadelphia that was one of the one of the best in the country, if not the best behavioral program intensive in the country. And I did that for a month, maybe five weeks, all day long. I got a hotel room in, I didn't live in Philadelphia, so I got a hotel room in Philadelphia. And every day I would go to the clinic or hospital and we would do exposures and shake hands and And they believed in doing extreme things like um, sticking your hands in toilet bowls, carrying around used tampons. Oh, my God. Um, That's a bit extreme. It's a bit extreme, but the idea was, well, if you can handle sticking your hand in this bucket that has all the used tampons and personal hygiene stuff in it, then, you know, it won't be so bad to shake hands with someone. So you tried some of these things. Like I said, I did it for five weeks all day long, and I did not get better. Did it help at all? Did it subside even slightly? Good question. Yes and no. I mean, I was doing it. I was shaking hands and opening doorknobs and handling money and and actually you couldn't shower or wash while you were there. 
So I went, you know, several weeks without any washing. Um, so by their standards, I was doing well. I wasn't washing, and I was doing things that people do. Because but you were just doing what they had told you to do. What they instructed me to do. And I, I wanted to get better, and I thought, you know, if this is what I got to do, if I got to stick my hands in the toilet every day, you know, that's public toilets, by the way. Um, did you actually do that? I did. I wow. did. I don't, I don't have OCD, and I don't think I could do that. Well, and then you couldn't wash your hands. I, I would so have was, a problem with that. It wasn't just doing stuff like that. Um, I remember the, the used tampon. I remember actually in the program before I was there, they would spray people with urine to get you feeling really contaminated. So it was an extreme program that I did because I was kind of desperate. And um, it didn't help. I came home and I went back to doing the same things that... I'm not a psychologist, but to me, it does seem unnecessarily extreme because why couldn't they just... Why do you have to have, why does it have to be urine or dirty tampons? Why couldn't it just be something else that you consider to be contaminated, like money or well, I whatever? Think that's a, that was a problem with the program in that um, I think it might have been more successful if it was more normal stuff. If it was more like you're saying, you know, shaking hands and handling money, but that wouldn't have taken up five weeks. Um, um, it was lots of what they call exposures and lots of response prevention. It is still considered the treatment of choice for OCD. And people came from all over the world to go to that program in Philadelphia. What do they say is the success rate? They say the success rates are better than other types of therapy and that over time your brain chemistry will change if you continue to do the program, that you're actually changing the pathways in your brain to think differently by your physical behavior. I don't okay. like that. It sounds nice in theory. Um. But if you, if you go online and look up behavioral therapy and person that I worked with was named Edna Foa, there's tons of articles written by Edna Foa, F-O-A, online, uh, a very famous psychologist. But the and key I'm, issue there, though, is that even though you were doing those things, you still had tremendous anxiety as a result. So the anxiety correct. didn't go away. I mean, that would be successful, as if the anxiety went away. Although, from what I read, um, it seems to help some people. So okay. it didn't help, didn't help me. Uh, maybe my OCD was too bad, too entrenched. Um, but it um, is considered the, ther- the, the treatment of choice. And how old were you when you did that? 
Say again? How old were you when you did that? 35. Okay, so you'd already had OCD at that point for 10 years, roughly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Had, what had you tried before that? I tried counseling, um, psychotherapy. Um, I did that on and off. I didn't have the, in hindsight, I don't think I had the greatest um, therapist because I was out of work at the time and couldn't really afford to go, didn't have health insurance and didn't have money to pay for a lot of of, uh, great therapists. Some of those, some of those. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Some of those therapists were also behaviorally oriented, and therefore they believed, although not in the extreme way that they did in the program in Philadelphia, they believed in homework assignments and go home and shake shake five hands that day, and and you know. Some at some point you'll it'll become natural and your anxiety will go down and and you will need medication and your life will be better. Had you, I didn't I didn't find that to be so. Had you taken medication up until that point at all? I had taken some medication, uh, particularly Prozac, and the thinking at the time was that you needed large doses of the medication, um, you know, like 120, 140 milligrams of Prozac, which is a lot. Um, most people are taking 20 or 30 uh, milligrams. Did you um, do that? Did you try that? I tried that. It made me exhausted. Yeah, I remember and that. In law school, I remember you saying that you were on medication and it made you very tired, that you didn't have a lot of productive hours in the day? Um, the medicine, the Prozac, at that dose level, made me sleep about at least 14 hours a day, and I was exhausted when I was awake. It was a very unproductive time in my life, and actually, when I met you in law school, I was not taking Prozac, but was taking other medication. Okay. But I do remember you, even at that time you telling me that you were tired. The OCD is tiring, and the medication can be tiring depending on what what you're taking. So over the course of the years, because you've been dealing with this a long time, can you look back and and say that there were times when it was better? And what do you, if so, what would you attribute that to? Um. My girlfriend at the time would have said that some things get better and some things get worse, that that there is no real progress. It's just improvement on one thing and then a decline in some other way. I, I tried lots of different therapists besides the behavioral people. I tried traditional um, psychodynamic therapy. I tried lots of different medications like Paxil and Zoloft and 
um, um, well, I can't remember them all, but I, I tried anything that was known as an OCD drug, which were relatively new at the time, because in the bad old days, there were no antidepressive drugs like Prozac. And there was really no treatment at all for OCD, medication-wise. It was, it was not until relatively recently that there were medications um, the, like in the Prozac family that are somewhat helpful. And they didn't exist until maybe 25 years ago. So, so in my real early days of OCD, there really wasn't much to do. It wasn't really until I got to do medication-wise. It wasn't really until I got into my 30s and had the failure of the intensive behavioral program that I started trying some, some of the newer drugs. As they call them SS something inhibitors, SS inhibitors or something like that. Um, and that helped. That helped. It helped. So when you say it, it helped, helped, I mean, so that we can understand, how was this really impacting your life in terms of your functioning? Could, you know, the rest of us, we just take for granted that we can easily get up in the morning you know, make breakfast, go to work, or, you know, go to the gym, or go out to dinner with friends. Could you um, do those things? The, the real, well, let me, let me answer your question in a different way, if that's okay. Yeah. The, um, the real, I think, turning point was meeting Dr. Osmond who I met when I was living in California. And he is a psychoanalyst, which is not supposed to help with uh, OCD. But um, he was the first person that tried a combination of medications at the same time. And that, which is what I still take, a combination of medications. And that really started to help a lot, along with traditional psychotherapy and um, the, the skill of the psychiatrist. So I think that there, the, the real change um, is probably 10 years ago when I met Dr. Osmond. Mm-hmm and started the different cocktail of medications and um, some real intense um, psychoanalytic therapy. So it's hard to know which, which one it was or if it was just I think a combination. Yeah. I, think, I think it's both. I don't think... I think I was talking with one therapist once, and he said he didn't know anyone who had OCD who didn't have a bad childhood. Well, haven't we all had a bad childhood? I guess that's not true. No, not no. everybody's had a bad childhood. No, no. I think some people have good childhoods, and mine was particularly rough. And I think that OCD doesn't just 
pop into being. I think the seeds of the OCD are there from childhood. And I, I told you how I had some issues even as a child. What were they? Well, I remember doing things like certain things I would only do on certain days. Saturdays was my big day to do things that made me anxious. Um, I'm talking about now when I'm like 10, 12. Um, was it stuff that your parents would have found odd? Like, why is he doing that? Or that they weren't some... paying attention. Yes, I think there. I think my behavior would have been odd, but they were odd. They were like, "Looks normal to me." They had so many of their own issues that they weren't. They weren't uh, thinking about. Well, did they have OCD? Does anyone in your family have OCD? Great question. Yes, OCD is definitely has a genetic component, and my mother and uh, my grandfather had OCD. My mother was a hair puller. Ah, yes. Yes. I was going to mention that I, I know that that's um, trichotillomania. Yes. I which know is that like, is... you know, it's, it's OCD. It's, it's not full-blown total OCD, but it's, it's, OC, it's in the OCD family. And she used to pull the hair on her head until she was bald. And, so she would have um, bald spots? She would wear a wig. Okay. And but she didn't she, think that that was odd, and maybe she should go to the doctor. Good question. No. <laughs> I'm on fire it's today. Just, a lot of good questions. That, 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 no, she accepted it as how she dealt with stress. And my mother did not believe in medications or therapy or... Things like that. So she suffered a great deal, really, in in her in her life from anxiety and OCD. However, I should mention, she got dementia, and as she got dementia, she forgot that she had OCD. That's interesting. And, and her hair came back. She stopped pulling her hair. She didn't remember that she used to pull her hair, and her hair grew back, and it was it was quite. Lovely. Wow, that's interesting that that happened. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder whatever what part says. of the brain was was dealing with the OCD just got got damaged, and um, she stopped. Stopped. Hmm. So she got some relief finally. She got some relief. I mean, it's it's a bad way to get the relief. Yes. Yeah. She got some relief toward the very end of her life. So I have to ask you this, because I know people have to be wondering. Yeah. So you're dealing with this for most of your life, but you've had yeah. girlfriends, and you're married now. So, And you can just tell me it's none of my business. <laughs> but, I mean, how were you able to be intimate with, with the women in your life over this period of time? Or was, did that have issues, too? Oh, if you have OCD, it's going to spill over into all aspects of your life. Um, I think that I dated women that were particularly um, 
compassionate and understanding, um, either because they were educated in OCD or because they, you know, I'm thinking of someone who was a social worker who knew a lot about OCD, and I'm thinking of someone that had an eating disorder, which is not exactly OCD, but it's it's another disability that um, she could identify with with what it's like to to have issues and, and compulsions and stuff. Um, so how would you meet well, these people? Because this I is before Match.com and all that. I mean, you would meet these people just sort of randomly, but were you wearing the gloves at the time? Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. I think I started wearing the gloves in law school, right before law school, and... Before then, I just did a lot of washing and decontaminating. And if I wanted to be intimate with someone, it just required lots of washing. Okay, so so they would so know that you have OCD. Okay, they would know that you have OCD, but knew I had OCD. Knew that. Intimacy was going to lead to washing. Okay. Sometimes it would mean that they had to wash. You know, take okay. a shower beforehand, take a shower afterward, whatever whatever the OCD of the day was. So they basically just had to be very understanding. Co- understanding, cooperative. I mean, you know, I think there's at least one that I'm thinking of that got burned out by it. Sounds like there were a lot, David. It doesn't seem like it slowed you down. (laughs) No, no. But like I said, I mean, I dated really nice, compassionate people that were educated and with one exception that I can think of. Um, And um, they knew what what the deal was. And I guess I have other qualities that compensate for the OCD drawbacks. Did you ever date someone who has OCD? I had I had one date with a girl who was in law school who had OCD and that didn't go anywhere. Okay, so it was one date. It was one date. But she was also in law school. She was she had OCD. She was taking medication. Um, was it something know, that would have been outwardly apparent to to the rest of us? No, no. Okay. She came to me and said, "By the way, I have OCD too." Okay. And she had a boyfriend at the time, and then they broke up. And I think we had one date, and I guess she she didn't like me enough. Well, it happens. It happens. (laughs) It didn't happen because you have OCD. But, you know, then when I met my wife, my now wife, my only wife, um, I was wearing gloves. It It was during law school, and I think that she knew what the deal was if she wanted to be with me. And 
encouraged me to seek treatment and take medication, and I've gotten better, and I think that's a big relief to her. And when you say better, how how are you today? I mean, how does it manifest today? Um, well, I can... I can take the gloves off, and I do periodically. So if I go to go to, for a hearing or to meet a client, I'll take the gloves off because I don't feel like explaining necessarily that I have OCD to uh, somebody who's come in for a will or, or trust or something. If it's a disability client, um, I'm more likely to leave the gloves on. But lately, I've been taking them off. I take them off when I visit my wife's family out of respect to them. Because they feel um, uncomfortable with it? I don't really have any anxiety anymore, but I've gotten very comfortable with the gloves, so I see myself putting them back on. But I'd like to wean my way out of that. That's interesting to me, is that you don't... I'm not going to say you don't have OCD, but you don't have OCD to the extent that your OCD warrants wearing the gloves. It's almost become something else. It's become part of my identity. I've talked about this a lot with my therapist. And um, the issue there, first of all, when I took off the gloves, I was surprised that I didn't have anxiety. I don't shake hands. I don't handle doorknobs. But I can, I can... You know, I can navigate the world without gloves if I have to. And like I said, sometimes, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up, and I'll make it through Thanksgiving without wearing gloves at my wife's family. Um, but I've, it's, it's become part of my thinking of myself as having OCD, and part of it, part of me must like it, or need it, um, but I'm still wrestling with that one. Yeah, it sounds like a completely different issue. Um, it's your whoopee. It's kind of your whoopee. My what? Your whoopee. I forget what movie oh. that was from. It was a Michael Keaton movie where this little kid, okay. I'm going to say it was Mr. Mom, his kid had a whoopee. It was like his little blankie or something. And it, you know, like a little kid would have something like that that they're attached to. Right. Right. But so that's, that's my goal now is to try to, um, you know, I've, you know, I've set different goals for the year. Each, each year I try to set some goals as to trying to get rid of some OCD habits. Um, in fact, we should mention we should mention that the first five or six years that I was married, we lived in separate houses. I was separate going to houses. bring that up. Yes. So how did um, let tell me how that conversation went, sweetie? I I want to marry you, but there's one condition: we can't live together. How did that go? Um. I, she was not happy with that. We lived a few blocks apart. We saw each other on weekends, or, or sometimes I would stay over at her place for 10 days or so. Um, I didn't let her in my apartment. I had too much anxiety for that, so she never saw my apartment. 
never came into my apartment, didn't know where my apartment was. Wow, she didn't know where it was? She knew what block it was, but she didn't know she didn't know the actual individual apartment. And why couldn't she know that? Would that have caused you anxiety? Her, I didn't want her showing up unexpectedly. So you thought that she would just show up? Yes. I knew she would show up when, if she couldn't get me, and I didn't want to deal with that. She must have been very trusting. She She is trusting. And I do know her. I know her well, and she's lovely. um, She was not happy, and I guess very much like the gloves, um, we moved back to New York, or to New York, um, and we bought a house together. And I thought that maybe if we had enough space in the house and it wasn't an apartment and I could have my own room and she could have her I mean, her own room that we could make it work. And actually, I had almost no anxiety about moving in, living, sharing. Um, I have one room that she doesn't go in. She has a room that I try not to go in or won't go in without her permission. And then we have a room that we share, that we sleep in. Is this because of OCD, or is this just because that's just I how think you... it's OCD, okay. really. I, there's, there's, I want, I feel most comfortable having a zone of, that's completely mine, that no one's going to go in and, you know. I don't think I'm at the place where I can share, a, like, a closet together like mixing the clothes together. Well, that's much think. less intrusive than than living separately or, you know, having right. to have gloves all the time. I mean, not sharing a closet. I mean, a lot of other people do that anyway, just, just because for other reasons, not for OCD reasons. So right. if that's where you are right. now, it seems like you've improved significantly. I have improved significantly. Living together was a, a good step forward. We should also talk that I was out of work for a long time. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. If if you, you know, did you ever apply for Social Security Disability? Did you? I did. I did apply for disability and was on disability for a number of years. Yeah. So and you would not have been able to work at some at different points in your life. You would absolutely not have been able to function at a job. Not a real, not a real job, no. No, not a nine-to-five, wear, work clothes, uh, get along with other people type jobs. I'm not sure if I can do that now. I don't think I can, but... Well, um, so now you have your own law firm, though. Say again? You have your own law firm now, right? Yeah, but partially that's because I don't think I can hold a real job and interact with people in a real law firm office where I'm not in control. I mean, I'm in control of my office and who I, what clients I take and who I don't take and, and if I want to shake hands or not shake hands or wear gloves or not wear gloves. Um, you know, I have a lot of control. Did you ever... Did you I don't have... think I can work for you. <laughs> Probably. Not. A lot of people have trouble working for me, David. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you ever try hypnotism? No. Nope. Never tried hypnotism. Never tried acupuncture. Um, 
um, lots of medications, lots of therapy, and and um, I should point out that even though I moved to New York, I still do therapy with my psychiatrist in California every week on the phone. So that relationship is real important to me. And I've continued that even though I don't see him face-to-face and haven't for five or six years. I would just ask people that if they encounter someone who who has some of these symptoms, I would really ask people to try to be respectful. Because when I'm out with you, I see a lot of people stare. And it doesn't bother me that they're staring, but... I really think that it's incredibly rude and incredibly disrespectful to do that to you. It's well, like they have no regard for your feelings, the fact that you can see them doing that. Mm-hmm. I, and I know they maybe they're curious, but I it always upsets me when I see it because I just think how can somebody not have any respect for your feelings? Well, I'm going to say that I experienced the opposite, actually. You know, when I, I have not had one person come to my office and say that they didn't want to work with me because I had OCD or because I was wearing gloves. Um, None. And I invite them, I tell them, there's three other lawyers in this building. If I make you uncomfortable, I'll introduce you to one of them. And no one has ever taken me up on that. Well, that's good. So you bring it up. You don't, because most people, let's face it, they're not going to say anything. They'll, they'll just leave well, and we'll never hear from them. Well, they say I don't feel, I give them every opportunity to tell me that they don't feel comfortable. And I really would introduce them to one of the other attorneys. And I haven't had anyone say that. And most of them say, yeah, I have a cousin like that or a friend like okay. that. I understand. Not a big deal. Don't worry. They got their own issues. They're not worried about my issues. Yeah, well, that's true of everyone, right? We all have our own issues. I guess, yeah. I know, maybe I'm more sensitive to that when we go out. And I'm, it's not like I see it constantly, but when I do, that's always my thought is how insensitive. I gotta say, I feel actually pretty lucky. Most overwhelmingly, people have been very accepting of my limitations and. You know, I feel fortunate. That's great. Um, I'm you know, happy to hear that. There's lawyers in my building that I interact with, and they treat me like everyone else. It's not better. And um, I've been married now for 13 years, 14 years, something like that. 13 probably. And, you know, that's good. All good. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that. So how, what are you doing now to cope with your attachment to the gloves? I'm trying to gradually get rid of them in more and more circumstances. So now, actually, when I go out to eat, which we do every weekend, um, I take the gloves off. And so I won't have gloves on in the restaurant when we're, um, we're eating out. So I try, try to come up with more avenues for improvement. 
Well, I'm grateful that um, you've shared this experience with me. I know a lot of people might not feel totally comfortable talking about it, but I guess you've lived with it long enough that it's it's part of an ordinary day for you. It's not like this is something new. Yeah, I mean, if there's a message that I want people to get is that there is new medications that help, and there are you can find good psychiatrists out there if you do some research, not just find the you know the first person that. You may have to go to 10 before you find the right one that's going to help you. But there is, there is some, some good people out there. There's some good medications out there. Yeah, like you, you said, to... that there's been, um, there's been a lot of progress with medication. Yes, and like I said, people somehow think that all doctors are interchangeable. You know, oh, they're all the same. They're not. I mean, some are good and some aren't, just like lawyers or, or yeah. whatever. And um, do your homework, find someone really good and someone you feel comfortable with, and you can, you can probably get better. Thank you for sharing that. And since we're, we're wrapping up at this point, tell us about your law firm, what you do, and how people can reach you if they want to use your services. I do Social Security Disability, which is basically helping people to get disability, all sorts of, whether it's physical or mental disabilities. And I do estate planning, wills, trusts, powers of attorney, healthcare proxies, things like that. And um, the office is in Beacon. It's a Beacon, New York. Beacon, New York. And um, they can find me on the internet at beaconattorney.com or they can call 845-440-8696. If they have questions about what we talked about, I'm happy to talk with them as well. Have you had any clients that applied for disability because they have OCD? Yes. Wow. So you could, that could be your niche. You could be the that OCD be lawyer. Niche. Um, I would say more than half of the cases are psychological cases, either, either, um, PTSD, I, I get that, I get, uh, bipolar disorder, I get OCD, and sometimes a combination of all those, all those things. So, unfortunately, the government is not that generous, and... A lot of people get turned down despite my best efforts. I, I, do you feel like there's sort of a double standard, though? I mean, I think in our society, mental illness is still something that's extremely misunderstood. I think people sort of have this mentality that you can just snap yourself out of it. I think there's still right. a lot of people right. who think that. And Yeah, I think they're getting better. But yeah, yeah I agree. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I have found it enlightening because I actually didn't, um, despite the fact that I've known you so long, a lot of this stuff I didn't actually know. So thank you for sharing. I hope that some listeners got something out of this. And if they want to reach out to you, they know how to do that, whether it's for legal services or perhaps an ear to um, share their experience. Please feel free to do that. Thank you, David. Thank you. Of course. And thank you, listeners, for listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt.